92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. I'm ready for more conspiracy theories. Yeah, yeah. Is Bryce Young really hurt? That's the question everybody is asking. Is he really going to play? We should have came on with the X-Files music. We, we could have. I don't know the if it hits the same. The Techno X-Files music we got. I don't know if that hits the same as Rick Ross does. <laughs> I don't know if everybody's getting down with the Twilight music as much as we do when we start to yeah, play Rick Ross. Yeah, there we go. But I'm with it. Bryce Young, okay, yeah, here we go. All right, we're going to start it off by playing this music because all the conspiracy theories have been rolling for the past really just 24 hours. Bryce Young, the latest report came out, what, Fiddy, about 15 minutes ago? 15, something like that? Yeah, just about. Very recently, Panthers.com, Darren Gant writes, Panthers rookie quarterback Bryce Young will not practice again on Thursday. Young is dealing with an ankle injury picked up Monday night that kept him off the field for yesterday's walkthrough. That leaves Andy Dalton to take the first team reps today as the team prepares for this week's trip to Seattle. Remember, the Panthers brought back Jake Luton, a.k.a. Luke Walton, to the practice squad this week to give them two healthy quarterbacks today. Stay tuned to Panthers.com. For more later this afternoon when the injury report does come out. How are we feeling about Bryce Young's chances to play against Seattle this week? Does weekend, not right? sound good. Sounds like he's going to be missing this when the Panthers will have to go to the great Northwest without their field general. So we have mental reps on Wednesday. We have zero reps as it looks right now before we get the injury report, but he's not practicing again on the Thursday before Sunday's game against Seattle. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how it all unfolds. I'm going to let Fitty crank this thing down a little bit as we gear up, pulling up to the scene, opening up the doors. Josh Fitty Marlowe, the bus driver. It seems like he's ready now. Let's go ahead and get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! I gave you the latest update, just so you can hear it from somebody in the Panthers organization. Here's Frank Reich talking about Bryce Young's status yesterday when we all learned the news. Bryce was listed as a projected DNP um, due to an ankle. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how he is tomorrow. Um, but that's all the update I have for you right now. How did he get hurt, Frank? Don't know the exact play. Don't know the exact play. And what would you say his chances are? Um, don't know the answer to that right now. We'll see how he is tomorrow. Is it a high ankle? Is it a standard? You know, along those lines. I, I, yeah, we'll just. I do not. When did you find out that that Bryce was hurt? Uh, Monday night. Monday night. Just heard that he had been in for treatment, um, but. You know, and then it wasn't until Tuesday, you know, Tuesday, um, you know, Tuesday, I knew, you know, I don't think much of the Monday night treatment thing, you know, just, okay, I see the injury report and see who came in for treatment and then just kind of, I don't make much of it until it's 24 hours later, next day, let's see how they respond. And then he was still on there, so. With that said, um, do you think that impacted his performance on I do not. Yeah, I do not think it impacted his performance. Thing is this, if you 
want to come out, and I'm not going to fully say that he's capping, but I'm just like, man, just tell us. Look, I know the details about the the injury, but I don't really want to share with you guys right now. We're trying to figure this whole thing out or whatever the case may be. But don't just hit me with the I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Because we know coaches, man, you're too much of a taskmaster. You're talking about your franchise quarterback there. You're going to make sure everything he does, you're going to know about it pretty much. Uh, you know, if he goes to the bathroom, you pretty much are going to have a tracker on him. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's in the bathroom. I actually right hope okay. not. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> but no, for the most part, though, I'm like, if, if you, you know, just tell me, look, we know about the injury. We're trying to figure it out why, right now. He may or may not play. But don't just hit me with the I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So, Frank Reich telling you that he doesn't know what play that he got hurt on and that he doesn't know if it's a high ankle sprain or not. I understand that that might feed the conspiracy theory. I think one thing that we need to look at a little more so is Ian Rappaport's report from yesterday that Bryce Young got his ankle checked out after the game and he did not practice yesterday. We just got the report again that he didn't practice today. But they checked his ankle out on Monday night. You did hear Frank Reich say we knew about his ankle injury on Monday night. So if you're talking about after a loss in prime time where they're game planning trying to go against one of the better defenses all the NFL and they just had this thing cooked up in the meantime or cooked up before the game started hey if things go so horribly wrong we're going to deploy the conspiracy or we're going to deploy the fake injury I'm just not going by that man I think we've seen a few times where you're going to have injuries where guys are still going to be playing on it and we don't know the exact play within 12 hours of that injury being sustained I hope we get more clarity on it today you would think they would actually do more tests whatever more review to try to figure out if Bryce Young is hurt high ankle sprain normal ankle sprain and by the way we just went through this with Saquon Barkley over the weekend we didn't know at the initial ankle injury he was carried off we knew exactly what play it happened on but we didn't know if it was high ankle sprain or normal ankle sprain and we got the test done, what, 12 hours later, something like that. They revealed that it wasn't high ankle sprain, which is one of the bigger problems, and that now he's pretty much week to week. Adam Schefter had a different report, maybe missing three weeks. Head coach is telling you he's going to be a game time decision for tonight's Thursday night football game, whatever. But it takes some time to actually have some of this. If this continues, then, I mean, okay, I don't want to feed the beast any more so. But if this continues and we don't get any clarity, then I'm going to be more frustrated at not getting clarity. But right now, I'm not going to say that they're cooking this rumor up just to save face, put Andy Dalton out there because things are going so horribly wrong offensively. My thing is, if this was to be the case, right, you know we love the alternate universes here, I would be more disappointed in Bryce Young because I feel like... Why do you need to coddle him at this point? This is part of pro football. You get drafted number one or top ten, you're going to go to more than likely a sorry team that you're going to have to deal with a lot of adversity. And this is a kid that he's dealt with adversity as far as being a small quarterback and things of that nature. But as I've said over and over on this radio station, won all through high school, won a ton in college, different things like that. So this is his first real, real adversity. And I would like to think that his football character is as high as it gets and that he can weather any storm. So if he was to allow this for them to be like, hey, Bryce, we're going to sit you and we'll make it. That's what I'm saying. If allegedly is the word that I use. If allegedly they are uh, trying to use this as a way to bench him softly, 
I would be really disappointed in Bryce because I would think he would be like, hell no, I'm going to play through this. This is bad days now, but it can get greater later. Yeah. So 704, I think, brings up a good point. Saying we had no clue Shaq broke his fibula. It's hard to tell during a game. That's Walls from Charlotte. And so at the beginning, we didn't know he broke his fibula. We didn't know that, but when you looked at it on TV, it looked pretty bad. Oh, yeah, but nobody was talking about it being a fibula broken leg. I didn't see it. I, if you did. I'm, well, I mean, it just looked really, really bad. And by yeah. the time they put him on the cart, you were like, all right, this ain't good. You, you know, knew you, it was going to be a while. Oh, for sure. But we didn't know exactly what was mm-hmm. going on. But they immediately take him because it was bad enough. I mean, we have different severity injuries all the time. Yeah. Bryce Young is not ruled out immediately. I'll tell you this, though. If we just want to move on from if he's really injured or not, let's just I'm going to go with that he is injured because that's what I believe. I don't believe they're lying about this. If he's injured, you miss Wednesday, you miss Thursday. What I will say is I don't know if I would play him Sunday now. If you're talking about him being injured this late into the process, and the whole idea is to put Bryce Young in the best situation possible to win football games or to look competent offensively, and he might be hurt, depending on what he's being, what he's going through. Jake DeLome told you yesterday, if it's his right ankle as a right-handed quarterback, that's your plant foot. Jake told you, I went through something like that before, and it sucks to throw on that. It affects you like a bleep. Oh, yeah. And so if you're Bryce Young going out there and – your receivers aren't getting separation. Your offensive line is allowing as many pressures as any of the bottom five offensive lines in the league. And now you got to do it all hurt. Yeah, just go ahead and sit him this time. Oh, and you think, getting hit. You think everybody is angry at Bryce and calling him a bust now? If he goes out there injured with the environment that he's been playing in so far and continues to, let's say, he throws a couple of interceptions, one doesn't throw for 180 yards, then, yeah, people are going to go that much harder on him being a bust at number one overall. No question at all. And you also factor in the discomfort of getting hit and all of those types of things. And so it would be a horrible spot to put your rookie quarterback in. And also, too, you think about it, because when I talked about his football character, we've heard a lot of people give a lot of examples of how you can ruin a rookie quarterback, whether you bench him too fast or when you talk about like David Carr back in the day taking too many yeah. sacks, taking too many hits and just ruining their confidence for the rest of their careers. And so that's also to be factored in as well. But like you said, I'm just going to go with that he's injured and they don't want to get him uh, injured any more than he already is to have him. And I think, too, the, the – amount of time in which he comes back in could play into this one way or the other because I feel like if it's an injury we didn't necessarily see like that and I saw texters yesterday saying that he did limp off the field towards the end of the game so if this is something that he's back next week then I definitely think it's much much ado about nothing. Now Dog Park Doug great name said this explains why he wasn't in on the QB sneak I'll say this I don't think that is the reason they didn't put him in there I don't think the ankle injury I guess it could be i don't have evidence to the contrary but i think it's more so the size i do i think that's the perception they fed into whether it was asinine as you called it earlier or not whether it was embarrassing or not certainly bizarre weird i don't think it was because of the injury i think it was because the coaching staff feels on that play when a whole bunch of big bodies are moving in a phone booth we want to have a bigger qb like Andy Dalton, even if he's not Jalen Hurts, compared to a Bryce Young, who is the smallest QB in the 600-pound squatter.
600-pound squatter. Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I just love that. It is funny, though. It, it, the Colts and Frank Reich, too, are saying, you know, this is not without precedent. We did this with Jacoby Brissett when he was on the squad in Indianapolis, and Phillip Rivers was our starting quarterback. But we can still acknowledge the difference. I understand what he's saying. They brought in a different quarterback in short yardage situations. Jacoby Brissett was a good rushing quarterback at NC State and can pick up yards with his legs. And it's not crazy to think that he might be a ball carrier in short yardage situations. The red rifle? That's not necessarily what I think of when I think we need one tough yard. Go ahead and pick it up, Andy Dalton. A little different than Jacoby Brissett and some of the other quarterbacks that you might put in those situations. I guess when we talk about it in those terms, because I was just about to say, I've watched a ton of football in my day and never really seen situations like that. But you you have as far as it depends on formation-wise, because the... I automatically go to like Tebow coming in for Chris Leak or them having a, a running quarterback that they want to put in. What was the guy that played for Oklahoma? They used to call him the Blake, Blake Train. Blake Bell, right? Yeah, Blake and Bell and end. stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I can see that uh, as well when you have a guy like Bryce Young. But I just feel like inches, it's such a starting quarterback just move the pile because, again, if you can't get a few inches – you don't need to be uh, winning the game. Diddy, what did you uh, what did you uh, speak under your breath about when we mentioned Blake Bell? It seemed like you had something to say. <laughs> they called of... him the Belldozer. Oh, okay. Yes. I didn't know. It was funny. I thought you were saying something uh, I reckless over there. That's just uh, maybe it's the reputation that you've gained. I thought you had some strong opinion nope. on a former Oklahoma quarterback. You just paint me out to be this <laughs> this vilified human being. Y'all were asking, what did you call him? It was the Belldozer at Oklahoma. I apologize. I apologize to Fiddy. Thank you very much for clarifying. I just heard you mutter something under your breath. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, what are you saying? Huh? No, yeah, the belldozer. Hit him with the parent joint. Hit him, huh? Yeah, hit him with the, pay, uh, the parent voice. What'd you say? You say something? <laughs> no, Dad. No, I didn't. Uh, GM Joe also texting in, why let Seattle know the specifics of the injury earlier than they might? Yeah, it's another good point. People want to hide information from other teams. I get that, too, because you don't want them to yeah. uh, start preparing for Andy Dalton, want to keep him on edge. Last text I'll read before we move on. Wolfpack Woody, he said, I think he did it on the horrible sit-down. Down slide on his scramble. Looked to me like he jammed his foot under his own butt. He did say he's not laughing at an injury, but we can laugh. We can have some comedic value in the fact that he is not the greatest slider in the world. No, he's not. Yeah. Russell Wilson, he was like the best slider ever transitioning from college to foot uh, yeah, to NFL. Baseball player. Right. The baseball player slide, that was working for him. Let's take a quick break. Let's come back with the fair or foul Panthers criticisms. We'll go with common criticisms that we've had, that we've heard. Then we'll say whether that is fair or whether it's foul. Radio gig as long as we've possibly listened to sports radio. Let's do it. Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Appreciate you listening to us from 12 to 3 p.m. You can text us, share your thoughts and comments on the text line 704-570-9610. As always, NASCAR Brad telling us happy whatever day it is, guys, with a couple of fun emojis. NASCAR Brad, man. 
I don't feel like the show starts until we get a happy Thursday, happy Wednesday. Happy whatever. He's he's normally pretty consistent. Yes, and we appreciate that from one NASCAR Brad. Big shout out to that guy. Uh, 803, just talking about putting in different quarterbacks in running situations. 803 said the Saints put in a running QB all the time. They do. Yeah, they might be the masters of it. Sean Payton, as soon as he saw Taysom Hill. (laughs) I was at the job fair today, and I'll tell you, man. First thing that got brought up to me was, I heard you talk about Taysom Hill yesterday. And I was like, yeah, I know it's Taysom. I know it's Taysom. It's just what I do with certain names. And it's not everyone. It's just some names. That's just what I hear, and that's what I roll with. But Sean Payton is the one that invented this. Just, I mean, at least in the last 10 years or so. Would, or would we give the credit to Urban? Urban When he Meyer? did it with T-Ball and Chris Lee. Yeah, I guess we could do that. In college football, college football, you'll always have the weird ones. But the NFL... I guess it it feels strong to say that Sean Payton invented it, but I don't know who did it as frequently as Sean Payton. Yeah, I can't think. Yeah, because when the Dolphins instituted the Wildcat. Yeah. But that was more like a formation for them anywhere on the field. It's just a direct snap run play. That's what it was. Yeah, and it was anywhere on the field. They didn't just do it for certain situations. It could be first and 10, second, five, whatever, and they could institute that. And Carolina did it with D'Angelo Williams in a win against Mm -hmm. Atlanta. They had like four passing attempts. It was a rural concept before Urban showed up. Are you saying it was a country concept? I was just, I was trying to stretch, you know. It yeah. wasn't wasn't my best work. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Look, sometimes we just have some some different. Yeah, uh, sometimes we have some bad days. Sometimes we have some good days. AJ said, "Walker, I like the show. Don't change jobs." Well, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. I'm not changing jobs though. He we, was he was looking for my replacement. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for a new producer. <laughs> when Fitty goes big time and he w- works for what is it? Scott Farrell? That is your favorite or oh, Michael dude. K? If you could get on the Michael K show, you might do that. I don't want to leave you guys. Oh, Fitty starts getting a bag on YouTube and has the uncensored sports show, then uh, could you, I can only imagine. Fitty this Flash is, will mean something entirely different. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Time now for the Fitty Flash. Kids, look away. You're right. <laughs> I am not clicking on that channel. Yeah, YouTube has an algorithm, uh, Fitty, so you'd have to wait till nighttime to get crazy. Like, you be doing that. Daytime, you probably get your channel demonetized, but nighttime, you'd be okay. And now, I could have Walker's uh, voiceover work, you know, to do the Fitty Flash. I don't know if that's something I want to be a part of, to be honest with you. That yeah, is. not the type of stuff that would be in that script. No, I'm, I was, instead of me looking for a job or looking for someone to replace Fitty for the producer job, I was actually out at the Bojangles Coliseum in the Charlotte Job and Recruitment Fair Employment Opportunity opportunities uh that we are we were holding that down with all sorts of radio stations a part of our company we were over there hanging out seeing a lot of people involved in the community so that was really cool i know colin went over there as well bunch of companies out there blythe construction price brothers atrium health cabarrus county sheriff's office we can go on and on as the show goes on as well but really cool to go out there and be uh, a part of that event Let's talk a little more about the Panthers, and Wes, let's talk a little more about the criticisms and whether these criticisms are fair okay. or if they're foul. Let's play a soundbite from Keyshawn Johnson and Richard Sherman debating Bryce Young's size, how detrimental that is to him on Undisputed. Go ahead, Fitty Play clip. Don't tell me Russell Wilson, and don't tell me no damn Drew Brees. Undersized quarterbacks have struggled to be successful long-term in the National Football League. It's a big Man's league. Uh, 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 it's I, just the reality of it. 
It's the reality of it. That's why the one thing that they do with a guy like this is they try to push the pocket, they get their hands up, and they want people on the perimeter. Mm -hmm. He couldn't run away from none of the defenders last night when he scrambled. I hear you, Key. I hear you, but it's not because of his size. You know, I think he did a good job when he had time in the pocket. Yep. He delivered the ball accurately. His arm looked good. It was lively. I mean, that same thing is true for Deshaun Watson. We just watched clips of Deshaun Watson. They pushed the pocket. They batted down at least four balls of Deshaun Watson's, and he's much taller than, than Bryce Young, and I, I don't know how many of his balls got batted at the line of scrimmage. Wes, I throw this to you. Fair or foul? Keyshawn Johnson's criticism of Bryce Young being too small and what is a big man's league? Uh, I think it was pretty foul. I would think I give Keyshawn a little bit of credence because of the great wide receiver that he was in the NFL, but I was with Sherm, man, 100%. I was one of the debates that sparked my uh, rage yesterday I when I say, no unleashed rage. on the Queen City. No rage for Key. I, I thought <laughs> well, there I remember would be I some added him key. in yesterday. I know, I thought there And were... so, yeah, man, no, no, no. I, I definitely have it. It's much more subdued today. I don't want to overdo it. I want the people to enjoy the rage and, you know, that when they get it every now and again, they'll they'll like it that much more. I don't want to be the coach that just really yells was. and curses all the time, you know? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think so, man, because – it's just like Sherm said. There are quarterbacks who are much larger than Bryce Young that get uh, th their footballs batted when they throw them at the line of scrimmage. They get hit and fumble all the time. I mean, there are guys that are turnover machines uh, that are that are big football players. I mean, Josh Allen, who's bigger than him and who turns the ball over than him more than he does? He fumbles a lot. And he's a big quarterback. Daniel Jones. You talk about That's what I'm saying. starting his NFL career with, what was it, a 20-game streak yeah. where there was at least one turnover in every single one of those games? Exactly. And Bryce has been hit enough at this point, even with the ball in his hands, where he isn't fumbling every time he the wind blows too hard. Man, it, it's you could probably liken that when a guy tries a strip sack to getting hit with a baseball bat. Because the fury that they're coming down with that hand with, it's, it's like a bat hitting your arm, not a lot of people are going to hang on to the football, the average person. So, yeah, man, to answer your question, not to get too long-winded, I think it's a foul criticism. I agree. And I'm not saying Bryce Young is the strongest dude at the quarterback position to ever be seen. We had one of them in Cam Newton. It was crazy, and he also got hurt. You went over that quite a bit yesterday. We've all gone over it this entire offseason. Big QBs get hurt, too. Look at the guy in this past draft class, Anthony Richardson. I mean, we had Trevor Lawrence give him advice after game one. Hey, stop acting so reckless to the point where you get hurt. NFL a little different than college. And then in week two, he continues to play the kind of style that he did in college, which is, well, and maybe even more so running the football. I want to see the athleticism, but the dude has a concussion and doesn't even play in the second half. I mean, it's not Bryce Young's size that is hurting him right now. I think there's a lot of things outside of what's going on with Bryce Young that is limiting him. I do not think it is Bryce Young's size that is having him play as poorly as he has and the team has in the first two weeks of the NFL season. And last thing I'll say on this specific criticism, I don't even know if we have a large sample size to go off of, Wes, when we talk about small QBs, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, how many really small QBs have we ever seen? You got Kyler, you got Drew, you got and, and also very convenient. Keyshawn starts the rant by saying, I don't want to hear about these two small QBs that were successful. Okay. 
Well, all right. You just you just want to get rid of all the I examples. I guess he just feels like they're the anomalies and they're just special, like they're mutants, so to speak. But if you look at the sample size, they're not really anomalies because we don't have a large sample. Play, being a good quarterback is already hard. All the QBs that have ever been drafted, it's going to be really hard for you to be a franchise guy. And so when we go to the QBs that are 5'11 or smaller, 6 feet or smaller, right? You go to one list. Eddie LeBaron, Davey O'Brien, <laughs> Doug Flutie, Kyler Murray, Bryce Young, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson. I mean, there's not a ton to go off of. And here we are with Kyler Murray where, Wes, I don't think it's Kyler Murray's size that makes him a bad QB. No. The dude is playing Kyler Call Murray can ball when he's on yes. his game. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I don't think it's the size, like Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, even though, oh, yo, they're stocky or whatever. Man, Drew Brees, I, we never said that about Drew, ever. Yeah. Drew was in great shape. He was ripped, but nobody's looking at him thinking he's like a baby Hulk or something like that. Yeah, uh, foul criticism there. All right, here's another one. Jonathan Mingo's lack of separation so far is an issue. Now, I have some stats for this. So if you go to Next Gen Stats, Jonathan Mingo is one of the worst wide receivers in the NFL at getting separation to this point. In fact, he is bottom three. So, Wes, with that being a part of this, do you think his lack of separation is an issue? Is that fair or foul two yes, games I in? I think that's fair uh, because coming in as a rookie, nobody expects you to have it all down pat. But when we see the impact that rookie receivers can come in and have now, yeah, obviously it comes down to choosing the right guy, but – when he came in, we heard so many good things about him in camp, how he was going to have a big, and I'm saying that in capital letters, B-I-G, uh, impact on this offense, how they were saying his role was going to be big early. So we're sitting here feeling like, okay, this guy's ready to contribute right away. And so now you get into the league and you're not getting separation right away. You're not able to get open. You're not really a factor. I'm not going to say 100% that I'm writing him off, but the eyebrow has to be raised uh, at this point as to did you choose the right guy? Because I pointed out a couple of other receivers, especially you look at the guy that I liked as well, Tank Dale. Tank Dale's out there making plays. He's getting separation. So um, it's going to take some more time. He's another guy too. As I said, it's just two games. There are nuances to learn about that position that can help get him open yeah. because he's got the speed. He's got the size. He's got the skill set to be able to get better at separation. So I'm thinking at this point, it's just some of the tricks of the trade that he may need to learn to help him to be able to get that little bit of space to get the football. Okay. I'm going to go foul. And I did a Frank Reich thing by not giving you all the information with Jonathan Mingo. Mm -hmm. So I apologize. Jonathan Mingo, yes, according to Next Gen Stats, is the third worst receiver in the league when it comes to average separation so far two Yikes. games in. You know who else <laughs> is up there? Michael Thomas is number one. Garrett Wilson is number two, is the second worst receiver in the league. You look at some of these other guys, T. Higgins. T. Higgins is bottom six. Devontae Adams, bottom seven. DeAndre Hopkins. DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, they're all on, they're very low. They're very low. 2.3 for Calvin Ridley, 2.2 for DK Metcalf, 1.7 is the leader, and that's Michael Thomas. Jonathan Mingo's 1.8. Here's why I say it's foul. Separation, while it's important, I, you want receivers to be able to separate because it means you're open. And if you're open, then you have to think that there's going to be a higher probability that there's going to be a completion. But there are other ways to win. And Jonathan Mingo, with his physicality, 
with his ability to have some of the crazy catches that he did at Ole Miss, I think maybe if you don't have separation, it might take you a little while to learn the nuance of the position. But man, there are some really talented receivers up there that also struggle with separation. And so for me, I don't think that this is going to be damning for Mingo mm-hmm. and that he's not going to figure it out ever. I think when we talk about the ability to distance yourself from the nearest defender, man, it's a little misleading. Like it's important, but also I think we make too much of it. Man, some of this is Bryce Young, and he's got to hold on to the ball. He's got to run the right routes. That's an issue for Mingo, and I think he can learn from it. But man, sometimes with the NFL being as fast as it as it is, especially defensively, sometimes you just got to give your guy a shot, throw an accurate ball, even if there is someone draped over him. And if he can be a physical presence like a T. Higgins, like a DK Metcalf, like a Michael Thomas, you can still be a damn good receiver in this league. Well, that's the thing, too, with those guys, because this is a perfect example of uh, finding nuance in those numbers because these are guys that are proven brands. We know what they can do, and they are really great at contested catches. The Devontae Adams one is probably the most surprising to me he's because considered the best he's route widely runner, regarded as the best or one of the best route runners in the game. But he's also a guy that he makes a lot of contested catches as well. But the only thing about those those guys you rattled off is that they have numbers, they have touchdowns. These are guys that are proven commodities at this point. Once Mingo gets to the point where he is putting up some of those types of numbers, then that can calm some of those concerns about the separation to where if you look and say, yeah, well, he might not get the most separation, but he did have 900. He did have 1,000. Yeah. He had this. So there's that. Yeah, I, the, the 50-50 type of thing was was tantalizing for Mingo in college. Mm-hmm. And, and if we're going to com- compare him to a DK Metcalf. And you may have to just go that route yep. and try that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So it, it's that that one's nuanced, man. I'm going to be fascinated, right? Because like I'm 50-50 on it. Yeah, I want you to be open, but also throw him the ball too. Now he's got to come down with it. We get the idea. Last one. Um, I wanted to get this to this one for you specifically, Wes. Mm-hmm. Fair or foul? It was lame for Derek Brown to go after Michael Thomas after the game. You hit me with it, Wes. What do you think? Super fair. Okay, this is one of the things in football I hate the most. Okay, let's go to the stat line here. All right. Whether you want to talk from an analytics standpoint, I mean, he had a good grade, a 75.9. His run defense grade was good. But still, three tackles, zero hits on the quarterback, zero sacks, so this is my thing. You lose the game. Yes, the defense did play well. So there's a little bit of that baked in. But don't come fight and you want to fight after the game when you lose, man. You should have fought. You had 60 minutes to fight. That's that, that's the thing that gets someone else. When I saw Tennessee and Florida fighting after the game, I'm like, if you're Tennessee, what, what, what are you fighting for now? You got your butt handed to you on the field. You should have fought then. You had 60 minutes to fight. And now after the game, when you get dealt with, now you want to fight. So that's the only thing that irked me about the Derrick Brown thing. I know Michael Thomas probably said some stuff to set him off. There's nobody that talks like Michael Thomas. Yeah, you can say some stuff to set the big man off. I get that. And so, yeah, you want to defend yourself, especially if he got really personal and said some things that were below the belt. You're going to defend yourself as a man. I get it. But at this point, plus me, I mean, maybe it's the – I wouldn't classify myself as a dirty player, but – me, I would have tucked that away in my mental bank, and then I would have said, okay, next game I might take a 15 or 
I might do a little something, something, give him a little extra the next time I sure. see him for all the mess he's talking right now. But my thing is just fight on the field. You got 60 minutes to fight. Don't try to fight after the game. No, but that's what's surprising me, though, is that I thought you would be all for this fairness. And I'm fully <laughs> embracing how fair this is because yeah. I don't do we know for sure what the fight was about? I haven't seen anything. I just saw him yapping, and Derek then Brown, Derek Brown was it. trying to follow him into the training room. But what we do know about both of these players, especially with Michael Thomas, is that guy is extremely vocal on social media, on the field. Michael Thomas is liable to say something that makes you want to swing on him. Yes. And so if that's happening <laughs> after the game... I'm with Derek Brown being here for the smoke right now. I don't care. I'll follow you in. And what are you going to do with my 300-pound body? Especially the fact that the defense played good, right? I'm, I'm fine with it, yeah. especially with him. Yeah. I don't – like Chauncey Garner-Johnson, I get that too, mm-hmm. right? Like these guys that talk – I'm with the talking, by the way. I don't even care if you talk. That's fine. But we all know if you are one to be talking a ton, then you have to be willing to deal with the consequences of that. You got to know this is my life. I like talking. Sometimes people are going to get angry enough to swing on me. That's cool. Sometimes you're going to be Cortland Finnegan and get dragged around like a rag doll by Andre Johnson. But this is how I made a living. I talk, and that's going to happen sometimes. Am I petty, though, for wanting to do something in the next game that could probably end this night? Maybe even put him out a couple of weeks. Who knows? I mean, that, that's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm going to get you when I can get you, when it's the when mess it's legal for me to get you. It always gets weird for me to fully embrace <laughs> that when you mess with people's pockets. That's the tough part. So, yeah, Well, don't run your mouth so much. I got you. All right, let's go to the first 50 flash <laughs> of the day provided you uh, by still our current producer. We did not get one at the job fair I attended. I promise everybody. Go ahead, Fiddy, what you got? It's all right. Couldn't find anybody city. dynamic enough. Little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. Might as well smile. Life goes on for a little city. Wow. After rushing for just 69 yards in the first two games, the Minnesota Vikings yesterday, they traded for Cam Akers for the Los Angeles Rams. Mm. Um, I'm sorry. I saw somebody tweet during this trade. And they quote tweeted, they said, wow, Cam Akers and Alex Madison are about to have the most incredible mid-off in NFL history. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, Minnesota, they just wanted another running back that hasn't been producing lately. Yeah, and all they they gave up was a 2026 uh, draft pick swap. So we saw all offseason running backs not get paid. Now you're trading for a running back, but not for a, a, a draft that's still three years away. I brought this up last week. Minnesota's learning the hard way. Yeah, you probably should have paid Dalvin Cook. But he's not looking good with the Jets. He's not. Well, because the Jets didn't run the ball on us, and they ran the ball eight times all game against the Cowboys. They ran it okay in the opener with Brees Hall, but they didn't with Dalvin. No, look, I think it's okay to move on from not paying Dalvin Cook. I, I like Dalvin Cook. That was one of my favorite running backs in all of the NFL because I thought he was a complete back, really liked him. It looked like Dalvin is cooked. To me, that's what it looks like at he least does with look the washed out here in the street. I don't like it, but that's what it looked like to me. So maybe it's time. Did you for mean Todd to be Chandler. punny? I did. I just didn't I like it. agree with it. I, I, just like it. I just didn't know you said it so quickly mm-hmm. with Thank no you. emphasis. All right. Let's transition quickly. Nice. Our producer has given us the, hey, wrap it up here, boys, type of treatment. Wrap it up, B. Let's do it. How different will the offense look against Seattle if Andy Dalton starts? That's the question. You provide the answers. We try to as well. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. 
Smith and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We teased you with the question of Andy Dalton and how different the offense would look if Andy Dalton was starting a quarterback against Seattle. Todd from Denver said Dalton will throw it downfield, even if we aren't open downfield. More yards, probably, but also probably a few more interceptions. I'll ask you that, Wes. Do you think that there will be more of a downfield passing attack with Andy Dalton at QB compared to Bryce Young at QB? Not really. To be frank, because I feel like Bryce's football IQ, it's up there. I think that he's playing within the confines of what the coaches tell him to do. And I don't think Andy Dalton will be any different. Um, The separation, lack of, from the receivers is still going to be there. The offensive line play is still going to be there. The things that are surrounding him at the quarterback position are still going to be there. That is also preventing Bryce from being the best that he can be. I like Andy Dalton. I think Andy Dalton's a good player, but I don't think he's that good where he's going to come in and the offense is going to be markedly better with him at the helm. Yeah, I I don't think that that necessarily means that there's going to be more deep shots. I I think the reason you might see it is if the offensive line gives Andy time, I think he might be more willing to take those risks downfield than what Bryce Young is. And I've heard this a lot, even with Justin Fields, because there's a lot of conversation around him. How do you get that guy to improve more so than what he has? Offensive coordinators taking a lot of criticism, certainly deservedly so, but also there are open wide receivers that Justin Fields isn't seeing. There's been some clips there. He's certainly not playing well. He talked about coaching possibly being an issue. He came back and defended it. But I heard Dan Orlovsky talking about Justin Fields maybe not wanting to turn the ball over so badly that you're also limiting what you're doing 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. I do wonder if Bryce Young, two games in, is worried so much about throwing an interception because the first game, I could see that you throw it downfield in the middle of the field. Jesse Bates is there twice. I, I just hope that hasn't not killed his confidence. Everything has to be considered under a two-game sample size, which is minuscule, minuscule compared to this year and for his career. But I do wonder if that might have been happening enough to the point where he's not challenging as much downfield. And especially when they're not open, right? So if they're open, he'll probably throw it. He did Domingo at a critical drive to give you life at the end of that game on Monday night. But when they're not open and you've got somebody draped all over Jonathan Mingo or Adam Thielen, then you might not want to take that shot and turn it over because you already fumbled it. You threw a couple of interceptions against Jesse Bates. So I could see that just being a little too risk averse. All that to be said, Wes, maybe Andy Dalton is someone that, hey, this is life in the NFL. I'm going to take this shot. If I get intercepted, I'll tip my hat off to the defense. But if not, maybe we get a good play, a big play, and that sets us up to score a touchdown that we have not really been able to do the first two weeks. Well, what's funny is that, too, you know, when you talk about the NFL, the windows are small and you have to just be willing to throw it and you got to be able to throw guys open. We know all the things they talk about with quarterback play. And so it's interesting you bring that up because I think about a lot of people knock Aaron Rodgers because they talk about how he will sometimes – not throw the football down the field or throw the football into places because he doesn't want to have those interceptions on his record. Justin Herbert's real bad at it right now. And I love Justin Herbert. He's Derek Carr even too, right? Like Derek Carr and Justin Herbert, it feels like they're accurate when they throw downfield, but they just don't do it a lot. Yeah, because they don't want to have those turnovers. And so when you look at a guy who only threw 12 interceptions their entire college career, that could be something in his psyche where he just – Obviously, no quarterback wants to have interceptions on their resume, but then you talk about some of the real 
gunslingers doing air quotes, so to speak, the Favs and different guys like that. Brady, you know, different players who didn't care. They're going to throw it. Patrick Mahomes is kind of the same way. Like Mahomes will hold it and wait for the big play. But you're talking about guys that are willing to throw it and they throw an interception and just like, okay, whatever, next play. Um, Josh Allen certainly is like that. We saw that the first game of the season. He'll just throw it up and say, the hell with it. We'll we'll come back again and try again. Is there anybody with more YOLO in their soul than Josh Allen? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And I think that's you have to have part of that in your spirit as a quarterback. So you bring that up. It's interesting to me. Does Bryce Young have that type of spirit? Or are we talking about a guy that kind of worries a little bit? Like, oh, I don't want those picks on my resume. I'm going to hold the football. I, I'm not saying this is by far the most YOLO play I've ever seen. But when I think of Josh Allen, I think of the play, his second year in the league. Maybe they're in the postseason. Maybe it's his third year. Mm-hmm. And against the Texans, I believe, he throws a 50-yard bomb running out of the pocket to their fullback, Patrick DeMarco. <laughs> like, all right. I can't make anything happen. DeMarco, it's coming downfield, buddy. <laughs> See if you can rise up against these DBs. Yeah, he is not worried Clown about the, the statistics. Um, let's hear from Frank Reich about how the game plan will not change if Andy Dalton is the starting QB. You know, we're going to game plan. You know, our core stuff is always going to be our core stuff, you know, and whether it's Bryce or Andy, um, I'm not sure there would be much difference between the two in a game plan. Maybe maybe a couple plays um but not much um so you know we'll just we'll just move forward like we normally would here's what i think would be different with andy dalton one of course frank reich isn't going to tell you yeah we're going to switch up the game plan okay why would you give the defense any more information every single coach would have that answer regardless of what qb you're putting out there i think andy dalton is going to be more decisive there's not going to be nearly as many off structure type plays. This is how Bryce Young killed people in college. And this is part of the problem. I saw Jack, I believe, write this in on the text line. Dan Orlovsky mentioned this too. It's going to take a little while to get used to the speed of the defenders in the NFL. You can't outrun DeMario Davis like that. You could in the SEC even, NFL JV. But DeMario Davis, some of these other linebackers, maybe even defensive linemen, it's going to be tougher to outrun those guys and make something happen downfield. But he's going to get used to it. He's way too smart not to. Andy Dalton's going to sit there in that pocket. And I hope the guards who have not been pass protecting well, they didn't against the Saints. I hope they do for Andy because Andy Dalton is not going to escape like Bryce can. He's going to want to step up in the pocket, which is a good thing unless you got into your pass rush. And then you're going to step up right into the lap of whatever defensive tackle is getting past their guard or their center in Bradley Bozeman. And that's going to be a little different. I, I, that's what I want to happen. I want the guards to play better for Bryce young and Andy Dalton, whoever's starting at QB. I think it's more imperative for Andy, who does not have the escapability of a Bryce. Well, not only that, you put yourself in a worse position because if the pocket is collapsing and you're throwing the ball with guys in your face, you stand the risk of hitting your fingers on helmets, breaking a finger, different things like that that could put him out. And then you're really going to be up bleeps creek. You are indeed. All right. So Bradley, (laughs) (laughs) Bradley shooting blanks. Okay. I don't know why that's his text line. He wrote in Frank needs to stop calling offensive plays. Bleep ain't working. We'll get to some more of that a little bit later on in the show at 120. We'll go back to the NFL. But coming up next, after the breaking news of Bryce Young not playing, we skipped a campus corner really entirely yesterday. We bring it back. We go back to the college football landscape. It's coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.